wanted to encourage you guys. I just felt led tonight. I brought a couple of my my books from the Passion Translation. If you have not invested and got a copy of Brian Simmons' Passion Translation of the Bible, I really wanted to encourage people to invest in that. Um, you know, there's a little bit of controversy around it from, like, you know, I don't know, people that I always feel like are too religious for their own good. Um, in the sense that, he, you know, because he calls it a translation. And if you go, some Bible scholars are not recommending it because they don't feel like it's an actual translation. They feel like it's more like a paraphrase. But I, all that aside, here's what I know. Um, he calls it, dang it, I wish I'd, let me, let me hold on, let me, let me look this up really quick. Sorry, I just wanted to go to his little website. Because he has this, um, just the, the tagline for it is so awesome. Um, well, Encounter the heart of God. That's the tagline for the Passion Translation. And I can tell you that's exactly what this translation delivers. And it's the only translation that I've really found that does such a really great does a really great job of looking at things from a union perspective with God. And so I just thought, I just thought I'd, I brought a couple tonight if you wanted to look at them or something. I mean, I'm not selling it. I don't have anything in this. I just felt led to really encourage people to get that because it just makes the word, it just, it's like the word of God comes alive. And the other thing I would say is, I'm sure you already do this, but I am always, I'm always reading multiple translations. So I, you know, when I'm looking up a passage, I'm looking it up in five or six different translations just to kind of milk what, what, what the meaning of it is. And then I also, you know, there's lots of online concordance tools now, so you can go and drill down and do all of that. I'm not going to go into that. But I'm kind of on a project right now, which is one of the reasons why I brought this up. Um, and I, I'm kind of seeking allure on it because I think I've shared with you guys that you know, in the past, and I really, it's been a while since God's done this, but he has, in the past, like for one year, two, it were two years that he did this, but one year he had me meditate on one scripture for a full year. And I can honestly tell you, and that was the scripture, and I know you probably heard me tell these stories before, but I'm going to tell it again. Um, it was the scripture from Colossians. I'm just going to look it up in the, and it's Colossians, oh, chapter one. Um, I'm sorry, Colossians. Hold on. I'm never good at scripture references. I know where they are. But it's like sometimes I forget them. You think I, if, I, I, if I meditated on a scripture for a whole year, I'd know the reference. But it's Colossians 127, and it's just that scripture that scripture, scripture that says, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And honestly, for whatever reason, the part that I really meditated on was just Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I can tell you, meditating for one year on that one scripture completely changed my life. Matter of fact, I don't think I've had as much transformation in my life 
in the time since that year that I had in that one year. I mean, I've had a lot of changes. I've changed a lot. But it was an incredible transformation because it was really like going on like a little journey with the Holy Spirit that totally transformed my identity. And I, th I think I've told you the story. You know, he had me standing in front of the mirror until, you know, telling me who can you, you know, do you see Jesus in you? And, of course, I didn't, you know. And then he just, and then at some point he, he switched it to where, like, okay, you need to see the right Jesus in you. And then he took me to Revelation chapter 1 and showed me what I call scary Jesus, which is Jesus with hair that's white like wool and eyes like fire and feet like burnished bronze and a face that shines like the sun. And, you know, he started saying, now that is the resurrected Jesus, and that's who's in you, you know. So then you sit there until you see scary Jesus in you. And, I mean, literally, I mean, that was the year that I started doing inner city ministry, like, in the south, really, really bad. I mean, Chicago's crazy. I mean, we know. I mean, it's, I forget how many murders they've had this year. I mean, it's incredibly dangerous. And I was, you know, a white girl in a Mercedes driving on the south side of Chicago going into crack houses and stuff. I mean, I was having incredible, seeing incredible things. Um, and I would not encourage anyone to do that if they've not spent a year meditating Christ in you, the hope of glory with scary Jesus inside of you. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, that's probably not a thing you want to be doing. But it was, it, it, it was, it was life transforming. In 2017, just this year, 543 just this year people have died in Chicago. That's crazy. And um, um, yeah, I wish the media would focus on that as much as they focus on some of this other stuff. But, you know, anyway, uh, you know, then the next year he gave me, which was kind of interesting because I, in Emerge, I talk, I, I teach this in a couple of different lessons called the Jesus Sandwich because, you know, the first year was about Christ and me. The second year was a scripture from Ephesians uh, chapter 2. And it's the scripture that says that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ. And that scripture, uh, let me just give you the scripture reference on that again. You may think I know this, but I just meditated on the phrase over and over and over, you know, so it's kind of like, oh, I didn't really. It's verse 2, 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. And so we are seated with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. And so that year... It was interesting. It was kind of instead of Christ in me, it was this whole meditation of me being in Christ. And, of course, not just in Christ, but seated in heaven in Christ. And just this whole idea that just really union began to get solidified in my, solidified in my life, but also just this so much came out of that year because, okay, I'm in Christ. My life is hidden in Christ. I'm complete in Christ. There's no condemnation for them that are in Christ. I mean, this, the, the whole Bible context started to change. I started to understand the gospel from a whole new perspective. I mean, I can't, you know, the revelation that came out of that year, I mean, I've said things like this, you know, all forever. I've said like, you know, the veil of his flesh was torn so that we could get inside of God. And that's the gospel. I mean, the gospel started to like, I started to realize the gospel was a message of us becoming one with God. Like, and, and I had pre been presented to me, you know, my whole life is more like forgiveness of sins or going to heaven or even like receiving righteousness. But I, I would be right. I had the gift of righteousness, but it was like I was still over here apart from God with his righteousness. <laughs> you know, and God was over there and I was over here, but I, I got his gift of righteousness. So like I'm made in his image 
you know, I was made in his image, but I'm still separate from God. And, and Or even just, um, you know, in that time I was in the word of faith. And so a lot of that, I mean, I'm a big word of faith believer, but it, it, in so many ways. But, you know, it would just be interesting because it would be like Jesus is your elder brother. He's the one you're imitating. You know, so there was a, still a lot of things that were separate, right? But these two years just completely kind of ruined me, honestly, for a lot of things because not that you can't, or I say this, it installed a new lens. So it's like I can hear different messages, but it's there's always, it's going to be a, and I think I've shared the story before. I even did a conference with a guy and I don't know whoever edits this tape. I, you know, probably a good thing to edit this part out because I never want to dishonor people. But, you know, there's a lot of teachings out there that are just hogwash. I mean, it changed the way I intercede, you know, just all kinds of intercession stuff um, that really has no revelation of what Jesus really accomplished on the cross. I mean, he didn't just redeem mankind, but he recreated the cosmos. I mean, you know, he recreated, it's a new, it's a new creation. And that's why the earth is moaning. It's moaning because it wants us to wake up and take dominion and actually live the reality of what Jesus accomplished. Do you know what I'm saying? It's for us to operate like Jesus Christ himself on the earth, on the planet. But you know, I remember in this one teaching, actually at a conference with this person, and it was all about going to the courts of heaven and, you know, releasing verdicts and all these things. And, and um, love, you know, sweet person. I don't have anything personally against them, but I, the problem was I'd been meditating these scriptures for two years. And so I'm speaking second, right? And I've got to come, and a lot of times that happens. Like when I speak with other people, I always feel a little nervous sometimes because I feel like I'm almost coming behind someone It's like I'm having to clean up something. And I don't, and you want to be honored. You're not trying to, I'm young, I'm a woman. You know, you want to be, you want to be respectful. But the problem was when we were doing the activations, you know, we're supposed to be doing business in the courts of heaven, and I'm up seated in the judge. You know, I'm up behind the whole thing, sitting in the judges. I'm in him. I'm playing with the gavel. You know what I mean? Like, I, and I, I mean, I couldn't help myself. I couldn't get down there and, do anything else because I had it, it was too late you know I'd already realized that I'm seated in him in heavenly places I'm not I'm not on the I'm not on the accuser stand I'm not in the jury I'm not anywhere else I'm in him now you know and it's it really changed it's changed my whole world you know and then then I got a hold and I was I always laugh I always feel like you know John Crowder he's a, he's a, he's become a friend he's been here you know four times now and you know I think I tell the story you know you know, it's funny how I got him to come out here. Just, But at, when, I, when I read Mystical Union, it was like finally someone writing the book that I should have wrote. Like, you know, that I wasn't obedient to write. So somebody needed to write it. You know what I mean? And so it's like, um, that's another book. If you haven't read the book, I really, regardless of what you think about it, like it, the theology of this book is so incredibly sound. And it, we haven't heard the gospel and I mean, as much as I have meditated two years on these scriptures and preach it every single week and have developed a school around these concepts, I still feel like I'm just learning the gospel. I mean, I still feel like I have so many mindsets and ways of thinking 
on a, on a daily basis that are not grounded in what Jesus has accomplished for me and what Jesus has accomplished for humanity and what Jesus has accomplished for the planet. You know, and so we live, I still find myself not totally, you know, just not there, you know, and I, and I think it's because it's so counterintuitive, it's so revolutionary, um, our experiences, and we've been taught our whole lives to, to think independent and to think separate from God, you know, that it's just not sometimes fully um, assimilated into our operating system. <laughs> Am I making sense? And so just recently I feel like I've gotten this new meditation project, and I'm, I'm really praying into it because it's, it's a lot to kind of commit, like, okay, this is going to be my meditation project. Um, when I say that, it's just because it, you, you're, you're, we're so tempted to go a different direction or we just forget. You know, it's like it takes grace to stay on something for a year, I feel like, for me. You know, I'm not necessarily the most naturally disciplined person in that respect. And so the scripture that I really feel like God has been speaking to me about is, and I, I really want to get it, it's, it's Romans 1.16, and I'm going to pull it up in a couple of different translations just because, um, you know, I, I've heard this scripture a really long time, you know, for a long time, and I don't know that I've ever been that impressed necessarily. You know, it's not like you look at that scripture. I mean, Christ to do the hope of glory is a pretty impressive scripture. You know, you just see that when you know, well, yeah, that's a good project. You know, this one it says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First the Jew into the Gentiles. So let me stop there for a moment. And that's just the NIV. Um, let me just pull it up in a couple other different translations. Uh, the New Living Translation says, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. Uh, the ESV says pretty much the same thing. For it's the power of God for, for, for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, also to the Greek. So I'm going to stop here for a moment because really the phrase that's been highlighted to me is this phrase. Um, And I'm going to kind of paraphrase it here for a moment. That the gospel is the power of God for salvation. Now again, in my little Southern Baptist background, okay, that would have meant that the story of Jesus dying on the cross, being buried, and being resurrected, that story of Jesus, when I believe that, that is the power for me to be saved. And to be saved meant that I was forgiven for my sins and that when I die, I am going to go to heaven and that now um, Jesus has come to live in my heart and I can have a relationship with God now. Um, now, that is the lens that I would have viewed that scripture through really my entire life uh, until I began to get a revelation of a few things. Um, first of all, the Greek word that is used here in Romans 1.16 for salvation. All right, so when it says, you know, what is salvation? What is that? We, we've heard salvation 
gospel and salvation have, are words that we've heard. If you've been in church or grew up in church, we've heard these words for, you know, decades, some of us, right? But I'm not sure we understand really what, you know, that, that actually means. So, I mean, bear with me a second. got to set my mic down. So I can change my little screen here. So I'm going to go to the concordance for a moment, and I'm going to look up the word that is translated salvation here in this scripture. So I like to use, um, and I'm just kind of walking through a little Bible study tonight, but I like to use this little online thing called the blueletterbible.org, and it'll take you, it has a little concordance in it and stuff, and um, it'll give you all the scriptures that have a particular word. If you type in salvation, it'll give you all the scriptures that have it. So I'm going to um, Romans 16. Hold on a second. Here we go. Romans has four uses of this word, okay? Um, in the book of Romans, in, in Romans 1.16, all right, the, the Greek word that is translated salvation in the King James Version comes from the concordance reference G4991, okay? which is a um, soteria, S-O-T-E-R-I-A, okay, soteria. Now, this particular um, Greek word is translated various different ways depending on the context. Okay, so it's translated salvation 40 times, deliver, health, saving, one that's saved. So here's the, the, what, the, what the, the strong says. It says that it means deliverance, preservation, safety, salvation, deliverance from the molestation of enemies, the soul's safety, so present possession of all true Christians and future salvation, okay? So um, I'm going to go back here and just look at a couple of other places. So, so another place that is a common scripture that it's translated salvation is, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, okay? Now a, a, a sister word to this is the Greek word sozo, all right? And now let me just look that one up really quick. Sozo, a lot of times, is, um, there's eight times in Romans that it's uh, used. And sozo is the Greek number G4982, all right? And I'm just looking at some of the places that it's been used. In Romans here, it says, like in this one is Romans. This is Romans 5.10. It says, for if we were, if we it, for if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by his, the death of his son, much more being reconciled, shall we be saved 
by his life. Okay, let me read it again. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So that is an example where they've used the Greek word sozo. And sozo means to save, keep safe, sound, to rescue from danger or destruction, to save a suffering one from disease, to make well, heal, restore to health, to preserve one who is in danger of destruction, to save or rescue, okay? Um, But it's translated sometimes wholeness, healed, um, delivered, so it's just got different translations as well. So, what am I saying tonight? I'm saying that there's a lot more that we have been given in this salvation thing than we are enjoying. And that there is something about the gospel that is more than just a story. <laughs> because Romans 1.16 says it actually is the power. <laughs> and so there's this link between the power of God and this story that I think is, is a little unchartered territory. And one of the reasons I love the book Mystical Union, and, and, and I don't know if it's that particular book or if I just know it, from relationally, but, you know, there comes a point, it comes back to my meditation of Christ in me, the hope of glory. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily following, you know, like healing things. You know, I wasn't like I was listening to healing things or deliverance things. I was just experiencing the gospel. I was experiencing Christ in me. And the gospel comes with all of it. It's a message of not just being forgiven. It's a message of of the sin nature being eradicated. And not just our sin being eradicated. It's it's a message of disease being eradicated, of of (coughs) the enemy's dominion being eradicated, of... Poverty being eradicated. I mean, it's it's really the curse. The curse completely being eradicated in Christ. And that message, there's something that is so powerful about the message that it manifests what Jesus did. The message manifests what Jesus did. Let's think about that again. The message manifests what Jesus did. That's why... In the first place, when we heard salvation and we received Jesus, I mean, that's why we had a manifestation of whatever it is that was preached to us, and we were able to believe. We just believed it. We just heard it. Like, okay, Jesus died for our sins. We believed it, and we had a manifestation of that in our lives. Does that make sense? And so, you know, I've just begun to kind of unpack That we are, we're, we're, we, we, <laughs> this gospel, not only does it have to be preached, it has to be heard. And we have got to hear it. We've got to hear it 
and hear it and hear it and hear it and hear it and hear it and hear it and hear it. And and honestly, we need to meditate on it. We need to move beyond the story. <laughs> we need to move beyond the story to the manifestation of the gospel, you know, and to the power, the power. We need to experience the power of the gospel. And we do that through hearing it. We do that, um, you know, faith comes by hearing, listen to this, and hearing of the message of Christ. I mean, faith is transferred through the gospel. Faith is not a, a, something we work up. It's, 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 it's a gift that is transferred to us as we, are, as we hear the gospel. And it is deliverance. God, the gospel is deliverance from whatever ails us. It is truly deliverance. It's deliverance from ourselves. <laughs> it is deliverance from the human condition. It is deliverance from... Uh, the soul sickness. It is deliverance from the body's disease. Death. It's deliverance from death. It is deliverance. I mean, it has, the, and it is the power of deliverance. And so, this gospel message. I, 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 are you guys connecting with what I'm saying tonight? That there, there is more here. There is more here. That the. I'm going to go back to Romans 1:16 again and just read it a couple more times because it's a powerful scripture that. I think we've heard, but maybe we haven't heard. It says, that Paul says here, I'm not ashamed of the good news about Christ. For it is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. First the Jew and then the Gentile. And then it says, for in the gospel, this is verse 17, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So the gospel is a revelation. <laughs> it's a revelation. The gospel is a revelation. It is a revelation of the righteousness of God. And it is a revelation of our righteousness in God. And it is a revelation of union with God. And it is a revelation, if we do nothing for the rest of our lives, but understand the ramifications of what it means to be one with God, what will our lives be like? If the rest of our life is just an unveiling of the ramifications, of the consequences, this is the, this is, if X is true, you know, X equals Y. And if X is true, then it equals this. And if X is that we are one with God, then what does that mean? What does that mean? What, what, what power is released in that? What power is released in that? You know, and I, I've talked about this before. I mean, I, I did, I've had another meditation project that I really wasn't faithful to do. And I think because in its rare form, the gospel in itself, it's so high. 
it's such a high-reaching thing to try to grasp. And I'll tell you this because I think this meditation project that God gave me hit the edge or hit this in me or hits this place in us that it's like the gospel's just almost too good to be true. Like, how do I believe that? Like, that's so incredibly high. That's so big. How do I grasp that, God? And it was the scripture from Haggai that just talks about, you know, the silver is mine, the gold is mine. And he just said, you know, we've read, we have no problem with that scripture. The silver is God, the gold is God. Okay, praise God. God is wealthy. Chris sang it tonight. But then when you say, well, okay, well, if you're one with me, what does that mean? If the silver is mine and the gold is mine, and we're one, what does that mean? But do you, right? It just hits you like, whoa, that's, you've gone too far now. You have gone too far with this union thing. But there is a righteousness. There is a righteousness that I believe that Jesus, of course, operated in because he, he was one with the Father in a way that was real. He was. And I, last time I checked, those wise men, those kings came, brought him what belonged to him. I mean, over and over and over, people say, you know, Jesus, there's not a, there was not a poverty thing about Jesus. He did not lack anything in, in that he didn't he didn't do anything that he didn't subject himself to. <laughs> okay? He humbled himself <laughs> to death and became obedient to death on the cross. I mean, if he if there was anything in the curse that he experienced, it's because he submitted to it. It was not because he was under it. I mean, that is that is that is absolutely true. And we've heard so much religious nonsense. And I mean, it just, but that is one example. I mean, it's just one, one little example in the area of finances, for example, where we just, there's so many mindsets and things that need to be confronted in our lives that we still just totally operate from a separated perspective. And the gospel itself is the power to experience it. And I, I, again, I'm just starting to scratch the surface on some of this, but I, I feel it's a journey worth taking. It, 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 and hearing, that, hearing the gospel every day, first of all, let me just say this, it's not that easy. Um, I mean, I'm not saying, we have, we have more Christian resources, more... Uh, information, more places to get fed, and, and you know we can we can hear Christian teaching, we can hear Christian things more you know more than anybody in all of his, human history could hear it. Truthfully, we we have access to more Christian things in our generation than there ever has existed. But truthfully, finding. That message, just the pure, that it is over, it is free, you're not working for anything, there is not a 10-step, 1-step, 5-step program for anything from God, 
that you you can rest because he he finished it and now you are you are to sit in him and just be <laughs> and and receive. it's yours and it's it's already yours You're, it's not going to become yours um, that you are perfect you are complete there's not a thing wrong with you except maybe the way you think and the more you listen to this that's going to change and you know it, but it's very hard to find. I'm just saying it is hard to find the, just the pure Pauline revelation of what Jesus accomplished, of what happened to humanity 2,000 years ago on the cross when we were crucified with him and buried and raised and ascended and seated with him. And I believe with all my heart that that's why we struggle so much. I mean, we struggle. A lot of struggle goes on because we just haven't gotten rooted and grounded and firmly established in the gospel and in our identity in Christ. You know, and even that's taught. I mean, I, I've, I, you know, I, I went through the process of, you know, the 50 scriptures of who I am in Christ. You know, but if you don't have a foundation of union with God, you're still going to be those things separate from God. Somehow you're holy because you're, he, he's in you. We, we say it. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. But there's like this block. There's like this wall. There's like this veil that still covers our eyes, and it's like it just hasn't the reality of God in me. In me, it, like this, you, this has not, it's like it hasn't pierced something, you know, in our minds. And it's, it's, it has got to because it will transform everything. I don't, I don't know of a person who has been set on fire with the gospel who you can't be the same. You, you literally can't. And it's not, I don't believe it's a struggle. I don't believe the Christian life has been designed to be, a, 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 you know, a 95, 120, if you really got some faith, struggle on this planet. I don't believe that that is our inheritance in Christ. And I believe it's very simple. I don't believe this is also complicated. That's the other thing. I feel like God has really been speaking to me lately. This is so simple. The gospel is simple. It is not complicated. It is simple. It is powerful. It changes everything. It destroys everything. It, it, it rearranges everything. It, it turns everything inside out, upside down. It, 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 you know what I'm saying? It destroys complexity. And that is, it's mind-blowing because our, our, we've just, do you know? I mean, I believe that's why we have to become like little children. Because it is so simple. And there's a, a powerful scripture that talks about um, the simplicity, you know, that is in Christ. Um, and how the serpent tries to beguile us and deceive us away from that simplicity. And that's in 2 Corinthians 11.3. It says, you know, but I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning... Your minds may somehow be led astray, right, from the simplicity that is in Christ. It says it in this way. 
But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his cunning, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. So there is a simple, there's, there's something very simple. I, I, I think it's very simple. But yet, seemingly impossible to grasp. Although it's not, because we have the Holy Spirit, and he leads and guides us into all truth, and he shows us things to come, and he is our teacher. And I just know the simplicity of the gospel, the simplicity of Christ in you, the hope of glory, the simplicity of being, you know, it's finished. Sit down. And then there, but yet there's something in all of us that somehow resists this. Resists the just rest. Resists that, you know, it just the work that we just the the you know, there's gotta be something I've gotta do. There has to be something. I gotta do. So there's there's, there's got to be a my part. We hear that God's. I mean, I we're co-laborers with God. Well, I don't know. I, I the Father in us does the work. Our work is to rest. <laughs> right. I mean, my work, my labor is to rest. My my work is to not work. My work is to stop working. My work is to resist work. That is our, is that incredible? Like we, our work is to resist work. I mean, and that is, it is work to resist work. Isn't it? It is, it is. But dang it, I am not, I, 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 Here's the deal. It's exhausting working. You know, and then you're just like, we're exhausted from working, but yet it's just so much harder, it feels like, to rest. And we don't even know what it is. You know, we don't really, we don't really know. So that's why it has to be a revelation. It's like, you know, Father, teach us how to receive, you know, even that's a grace. I I just believe it's all grace. I mean, how far, and I taught last week on grace, like how far does grace go? How far does grace go? If sin abounds, grace does much more abound. If his grace is made perfect in our weakness, how far does it go? It gets stronger the weaker we get. It's more powerful the more sinful the situation. So how far does it go? And again, Paul said, does that mean we should glory in our sins and we should be... No, that's not the point. It's just the nature of grace. It's the nature of the power of God. It doesn't need human effort. And when it's most hopeless, that's... It's when, when, when people are the most powerless, that's when God is the most powerful. I mean, the, the grace thing, it's the power to overcome sin. But it's not, again, that's not a human overcome. It is a God overcome. It is something that no human 
flesh shall glory. This is not a boast of human strength or willpower or, or intelligence or knowledge, wisdom of human. It's not human. <laughs> it is holy. It is God. It is God. It's God's work. It is God's work. And I don't know that, I mean, as much as I've learned, as far as we've come, it's like, have we really experienced this yet? Have we really experienced this total lack of human effort? Have I really been emptied of human effort to the degree where this is God God, this is God. This is God. <laughs> and that is the message of the cross, is that it is God. 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 And Jesus, if he did anything, you know, because I always say this. People say he wasn't our example. He wasn't our, he was our substitute. I've heard people say that. He's actually both. He's both. <laughs> he is our example, and he is our substitute. Um, because he is our example, but not an example of what we do separate from God. He is our example of what it looks like to live in union with God. He is our example of what the union life looks like. He is our example of what abiding in the vine looks like. It looks like a supernatural, impossible life. It looks like being free from the opinions of men. It looks like laying down your life for your friends, but not because you're really a good person. It's not about our good, it's not about your goodness. I mean, even Jesus denied his goodness. He said there is none good but God. Jesus didn't even have a righteousness apart from the Father. God, that's powerful. That is so incredibly powerful. He corrected the guy. There is none good but God. But then he let him worship him. Because he was in union with the perfect one. It's just crazy. I mean, the, the, the revelation that comes from Jesus. I mean, and if you read the Gospels from a place of this is, this is going, this is Jesus operating as a revelation of the Father. So transparent was he. So submit. So, and, and again, it's not, I don't, it's only the grace of the Holy Spirit, I believe, that empowered him to do that. I don't believe Jesus in his humanness was able to do that either. You know, it said that he had the spirit without measure. So there was something on his life with the Holy Spirit that the grace of God, the grace of God, there was the great, Jesus revealed grace and revealed something. I and mean, there's just something so powerful in this. And I, you know, you can't even work yourself into changing so that we get this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like even just hearing the message, you're just like, oh, give me three steps to do, Shalice, so I can go home and implement this power of the gospel. Like, I'm going to get this power of the gospel. You know, you're just like, oh, my gosh. It is a, it is a, it is a quandary. And I, I, it is a quandary to me how to live without being in control. Okay, since you talked about this, 
Oh, of course. Everybody's got a piece of advice. So, um, so I went for my walk because I, I was struggling with um, going and praying for my sister because of everything that was going on. And um, I was saying, I don't understand. I, I don't know what to do. I can't, I can't figure this out. I'm just blah, blah, blah. And I, I am like just lost. And so I decided to go outside and I'm walking and I heard him say, you got to experience what I experienced. And the next thing I know, I am just belting over because I'm weeping because I got in touch with, in, in his hometown, there was so much unbelief and so much doubt. And, and I mean, I mean, it was like, I actually, it was an absolute revelation. And it just kind of, wow, and I was weeping. So then I started asking more questions. Well, how did you feel? And, and you know what? Did, how did you work through that? And and you know what? I mean, did you were you sad that you couldn't even minister to people in your family? I mean, what is it? What is this all about? I really want to get a, a more of an understanding. So I haven't gotten it yet, but there's a lot of pride coming up. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. Well, good. Well, that's exactly what we're yeah. saying. It's yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, when we do read the Gospels from that lens of, I don't know, there's just something, it, it's not, you know, I go back, and this is, I mean, I know I say, I do the scripture a lot, but um, it's in Matthew 11, and I do it a lot from the, um, the uh, Message Bible, I think it's 27. Um, yeah, it, it, here's what it says. This, is, this scripture blows my mind. Okay, it says, Jesus resumes talking to people, but not tenderly. The Father has given me all these things to do and say. This is a unique father-son operation, coming out of father and son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the son the way the father does, nor the father the way the son does but I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. Like this scripture blows my mind on so many levels. I mean, you know, first of all, it's a great, it blows my mind about it, I'll say that first, is just that he's willing to go over the intimacy that he had with the father, the way he operated with the Father. He says this is a unique father-son operation. Do you know that our lives, everyone in this room, everyone listening to this podcast after, everyone's life is a unique father-son operation. It is unique. And it is you are you are called to live out of intimacies that between between you and the Trinity. In the same way the Son, Jesus, lived in the middle of this intimate relationship 
with the Trinity, him being a part of it, you are now that exact thing. You are a part of it. And you are called to live the same way. It says, you know, and good, no one knows the Son the way the Father does. No one knows the Father the way the Son. Like, but this is what he says, I'm not keeping it to myself. He will actually reveal the Father, and the Father will reveal the Son the same way. If you're, then the only requirement, listening. Listening. And I, the next scripture has been my scripture for a while. Are you tired? Burned out. I'm sorry, worn out. Burned out on religion. Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you, listen to this, I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. And then he says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I will not lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Now, in light, now the grand, this is pre-cross. Okay, this is pre-cross. You know, but post-cross, okay, these words have so such incredible meaning. You know, the unforced rhythms of grace, it's, we are now in a relationship that, that, and that is the power of the gospel because the gospel is what put us there. And we are called to live worry-free. I mean, worry-free, why? Because we're in union with God. And our responsibility is to listen. And I heard somebody say the other day, oh, I think I read it, where did I get this? Oh, it's so good. It's something like, I mean, I don't know, we put so much on ourselves. Like we're going to be the seeker. We're going to be, you know, um, it was something like, it's not my responsibility to figure it out. It's God's responsibility to explain it to me. I'm paraphrasing. I'm not sure exactly. That's good, though. That's close, and that's good. That might be. That might be it exactly. But it, I mean, that is a powerful statement. You know, I realize, like, okay, you want me to check out. I get this. Like, there's something about the power of God, but I don't. It's like you're going to have to explain it to me. You know, even when I sat down to say Christ in you, the hope of glory. Okay, I can read the the words, but you're going to have to explain it to me. Right? And, you know, I didn't, I don't, I normally read my journal. I don't think I brought it tonight. But, you know, my journal is just full of, of, for me, in this season of my life, it's just full of, of helplessness in a powerful way. Um, it is a powerful place. You know, and I've, I've, I've taken that stance with the Lord for all of my Christian walk, really where I began to have a relationship with the Lord. Because it, my, my whole Christian walk has been, if you don't do it, it's not getting done. 
you know, because where I started was so much, so much bondage that I really had to have miracles to, to get, I had to be delivered. <laughs> I just had to have, I had to be delivered. And, you know, it, it, it was a, it was a beautiful thing to re, to realize that that's not a bad thing. <laughs> to be deliverance. Like, that's actually the human condition. Like, that's actually humility. Like, that's actually what God's attracted to. Like, that's, like, yes, that's good. Not, that's bad. You know, and we think needing deliverance, we've been taught needing deliverance, needing healing, being weak, needing a miracle, having, you know, needing a promise from God. Like, what the heck is wrong with you? You should be blessed. No, we should be dependent. I mean, yes, but dependent looks blessed, but it's dependent. It should look dependent. And sometimes, you know, sometimes dependence looks like you're in prison. And sometimes dependence looks like persecution. And sometimes it doesn't always just look like you at, you know, Rockefeller Plaza coming up in your roles. I mean, you know, I mean, it may, but it looks like whatever you're, father-son operation is called to look like. That's what it looks like. I don't think Jesus would have ever thought he wasn't blessed, even though his whole ministry was, you know, to some degree, a, a, a battle. You know? So... You know, this whole, I'm just, I, I, I know there's more here that I, I, I'm, we're exploring this. And I, we're going to be, continue to explore this. We're going to continue to, the, because here's the reality of it. At some point in our Christian life, today or tomorrow, we won't have a choice. <laughs> because life doesn't really work any other way. I believe the Holy Spirit, if we are being conformed to the image of Jesus, if his, if he is, if he is at work in our lives, I believe that we will come to the place in our lives, most of us, I, I mean, I believe this, maybe I'm, maybe I'm deceived, I don't know, but I, I just, I don't believe, I think the Lord loves us too much to let us continue along in our error. Because there's not life in it. Life is a person. Life is found in him. And the gospel is so glorious. And so that is why it is so important that it's preached. It's why it's so important that we hear it and that we live it and that we become living epistles of it. So have your way, Father. Have your way in our lives. And Many that I talk with are in such an interesting season. And other people are, you know, it's different seasons for different people, for sure. But it feels like there's a lot of people in this season where, oh, I need to pray in time just to get it out. Um, uh, just, Father, just help me prophesy into this season. That, that I'm sensing inside of me that is, is a lot of people are connected to. In many ways, it's, it's, a, it's a hidden season of a cocoon. And there's a lot of people that uh, I really sense that, that God is 
been doing a very deep transformative work in. And that's a confusing place. Uh, it's a confusing place when, and I've been sharing it in different different types of analogies. Right now the Lord's kind of showing me this, this whole cocoon and a butterfly. That caterpillar gets in that thing and, you know, totally out of control. That caterpillar is out of control in that cocoon. And the other picture God has been showing me has been this picture of a computer system that is either like going through like an, an upgrade reboot, like an operating system reboot, or some kind of reset of its system. And, you know, when it's going through that process before it, you know, brings it up and like, hi, I'm ready. Well, you know, it's pretty worthless. And it's like this whole constant, I mean, you can't, like you can't even think right because it's, the thinking's getting transformed. It's, it's getting renewed. It's getting upgraded. It's the old programs are getting out. The new ones are getting in. And it's, it's not working yet. <laughs> right? It's just not working yet. And, hey, both of those analogies, this is a, I don't believe that it's everybody. I don't know who, I don't know why, I don't know who God gets to pick to do that. I don't get that either, Lord. But I know there is a group, there is a people, there are those that it is happening to. And uh, it is confusing. It is a confusing place. Um, and so, Lord, you know, but I, the picture I'm seeing now, going back to the cocoon, is that it's by design. It's by design. And that the Lord is a master. He's the master. He's the master creator. He's the master transformer. He is the master. And he, it may be confusing to the caterpillar, but it is not confusing to the creator of the caterpillar. There's nothing, God's not confused about any of it. And he sees every metamorphosis aspect, every aspect of metamorphosis and every part of dissolving and reforming and reshaping and transforming and, and this, this, this beautiful place of secret, it, it is miraculous. It is a place of the miraculous. This is, a, this is not a place to be, um, it, it, although it's confusing, it's not a place to hate, to despise to uh, feel negative about. It is, it is a, it is a, it's a miraculous place. And it is a place of God's work. It is a place where only God can work. The caterpillar is helpless to help itself. The caterpillar is helpless to transform itself into a butterfly. It is, it is a very, very helpless place. Very powerless place. And, um, but, the Lord says, it can be a place of peace. And it can be a place of great intimacy. Because I am in the cocoon. I am there. I am with you. And I am, it doesn't have to be scary, and it doesn't have to be anything. It doesn't, you, you know, control is overrated. That's what God told me the other day. Control is overrated. Because it's an illusion. 
it's an illusion. I mean, we have very limited control. <laughs> Self-control is about the only control we have. And even that, we need more revelation of because we don't even, we do, we don't even do that very well. Right? And, but I'm saying, it's like we don't even get that one. And that's probably the very limited amount that we can aspire to. You know? And it's, but control is overrated. And so I see him, he's bringing me back to the scripture now in the cocoon, and he, it's a unique father-son operation. And it's coming out of father and son intimacies and knowledge. And so the cocoon is this place where this operation is formed and, and, confirmed and received and you get a revelation and, and you, you get to know him in ways that you wouldn't, you, you, this is the, the place. <laughs> this is the only way to get there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and Debbie's talking about the struggle when the when the transformation is complete, <laughs> right? And the butterfly can't stay in the cocoon anymore. It'll die in the cocoon, right? And so it's got to fight its way and struggle its way out of that cocoon and let its wings. There's a whole process of, of emerging. Yeah. It's just a natural thing. Yeah. You know, and when it's time. Yeah. Maybe it is time. Maybe the yeah. 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 Time. And that's, I think, where the, maybe where the, the seasons of where we are come into play. And it really does take the Lord saying, you know, what are, where are, what, what is the season for you? You know, are you in the cocoon? Or are you, are you, you fighting to emerge? You know, and and it's very, because, you know, the fighting to emerge, and I believe with all my heart, if I just kind of tag into that, see, the fighting to emerge is, to me, it's the picture of Jesus going into the wilderness. Um, you know, because if you think about it, he's hidden for 33 years. 
you know. And then the baptism happens. It's kind of like this declaration of who he is. The voice comes from heaven. This is my beloved son and who I am well pleased. Right? And so this declaration, this prophetic word comes over who he is. And then he goes, this Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. And, yeah. No, I just I was just going to say, and then that struggle was if you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God. So it was very much a struggle, it, it, only to the extent that Jesus, if you know who he is, if, if you know who you are, you know, then the struggle is just to resist. The struggle is to resist. The struggle is to resist the lies. The struggle is to resist the voice of the enemy and to move outside of dependence. And that's what he said. I mean, even the things that Jesus said, he said, you know, um, man does not live by bread alone. When he got tempted to turn the, the stones into bread, he said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. So he was going back to, no, no, I, I'm not going to turn those stones into bread because I don't do anything unless the Father has given me the instruction. Then he's like, you know, cat, you know, bow down and worship me. Well, that's ridiculous. You know, I'm not going to worship anybody but my father. Then he's like, cast yourself off the side of the temple. And Jesus, see, that whole point was, is again, to, to move independent. Yes. Okay? Even to worship, you know, to worship him was about self-glory. It was about getting rewards. It was about, it was about getting his inheritance another way. Yeah. You know, it was about, because all the kings of the world were going to be his. I mean, that was the promise. He'd be heir of the world. You know what I mean? So he was, I mean, Satan was offering him what the father was offering him. You know, but, but it was a different route. Right? So, I mean, it was all about the struggle coming out of that was very much about, you know, as Debbie's talking about that. And so, you know, there's... It's that, that's why it's so important for us to listen. Rest. When he says rest, and but, but really, I believe this is what I'm also kind of getting from all of this too is that that cocoon. I mean, that caterpillar works hard on the ground. All those legs inching around. But, but you know, when you get a cat, when you get into a butterfly, you're flying. It's a completely different. I mean, it's 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 a it's a you know it's a completely different way of life. It's a higher way of living. And it's just a picture of toil, you know, and and, and just. You know, yeah, just it's, it's a very it's a different way of life, a new creation. You know, it's a new creation, and so it's just so for those people that are in that cocoon. I just that, that's where I just felt like the Lord was, you know, saying that you know fighting it is pointless, right? Because you're just not a caterpillar anymore.
no matter, you know, you can't add anything to it. You can't add to the Lord's work. So did you have something else to say? Yeah. During worship, the word rest. Mm-hmm. rest came to me. Thank you, Father. And then the scripture came to me, uh, fear not, little children, for it's the Father's good pleasure to give the kingdom of God to you. And, and, I, and as I was thinking about that, I don't really, I, I guess I've, I've never looked at it like that. I thought, we're so afraid. We all tend to feel like we have to work to get those promises that we have. But it is his good pleasure to give it to you. He withholds, freely gives all things. Why do we spend so much time toiling? I should call it this thing. Toiling. When when we need to toil to stay in that place of rest. Yeah. It's true. That's where the fight is. And I, I was thinking of um, I was thinking of uh, Abraham and how really it, Abraham <laughs> the whole point was to get fully persuaded that God could do what He was promised. <laughs> the point was to get persuaded. I'm persuaded now. I've been persuaded that you can do what you promised. I mean, like that is crazy a little bit, you know. Like, God's just trying to convince us. Like, I'm just going to convince, you got to get convinced that I can do what I promised. That's exactly us. Oh, my goodness. You know, it's... Yeah, I love, uh, Romans 4 in the message is also beautiful. Um, There's one of those parts... Love this. Let me just read this. It says, So how do we fit what we know of Abraham, our first father in the faith, into this new way of looking at things? If Abraham, by what he did for God, got God to approve him, he could have certainly taken credit for it. But the story we're given is a God story, not an Abraham story. What we read in Scripture is Abraham entered into what God was doing for him. And that was the turning point. He trusted God to set him right instead of trying to be right on his own. If you're a hard worker and do a good job, you deserve your pay. We don't call your wages a gift. But if you see that the job is too big for you, that it's something only God can do, and you trust him to do it, you could never do it for yourself, no matter how hard or long you worked. Well, that trusting him to do it is what gets you set right with God by God, a sheer gift. 
David confirms this way of looking at it, saying, uh, let me just go back to this other part, uh, passion. Let me just find this one. I love this Romans 4, if I can just find it really quick. I think it's like verse 6 in the New Testament. Oh, here we go. It's verse 17. I just like this. It says, we call Abraham father. This is powerful. We call Abraham father not because he got God's attention by living like a saint, but because God made something out of Abraham when he was a nobody. Isn't that what we've always read in Scripture? God saying to Abraham, I set you up as the father of many peoples. Abraham was first named father and then became a father because he dared to trust God to do what only God could do. So just the power for that message, Romans 4 is really good too. But that's just another picture of just, you know, human effort versus God's power. And so I started out tonight with the whole gospel being power. And I just, I, I just know there's that whole message of the gospel is about a message of rest and God's work. That whole, the whole God, that's the point of the gospel <laughs> is that God's, it's God's work. God worked. God worked. And so, Father, just tonight as we wrap up, I just thank you that, you know, we've covered a lot of ground. We've talked about a lot of things. We've, we've pondered and meditated and, and received things. And now, Holy Spirit, we just need you to kind of assimilate and break it down and continue the conversation. And so I thank you that tonight we are leaving in step and in sync with you that you are moving in our lives, that you are doing something wonderful, something miraculous, something spectacular, beyond, exceedingly abundantly above, <laughs> all that we could ask, all that we could hope, all that we could dare dream or drum up, Lord. And you're doing it according to that power that works in us. You're doing, you're doing an internal thing. And so, Lord, we just... We thank you that your grace is sufficient. We thank you that you are going to finish the good work you've begun. And we are leaving tonight in sync with that. And, Lord, you are, we don't have to figure it out because you're big enough to explain it. And what we need to know, we'll know. And what we don't need to know, we can trust and rest. And so I just release us into that place of peace and trust and rest tonight, Father. We just glorify you and worship you. Right, right, right here. Whether we're in the cocoon, coming out of the cocoon, we just worship you. We praise you, Father. In Jesus' name, we praise you. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to take up a quick offering just before we close tonight. Just so, Father, we just, um, yeah, Chris just got a basket. And there's envelopes if you guys want to do debit cards or credit cards or whatever. You know, and um, Father, just we sat there and talked about tonight how this is a unique father-son operation, and so we thank you, Lord, that you can speak to folks tonight about what they are to sow into the ministry and what they are to, uh, what their offering is to be tonight. And so, Lord, we thank you that that's what we do. We hear and we obey, and it's a it's a it's a unforced rhythm of grace. <laughs> and so tonight, Lord, as we sow our seed, we just thank you that you are faithful. You're a faithful provider, God, and that we don't have to fear that it is your good pleasure to give us the kingdom. And so, Father, as we, 
as we uh, sow tonight, Father, we just do that in faith, knowing that you are, you are the one that abundantly supplies us. You are an abundant dad. I'm thinking about you give so, seed to the sower, bread to the eater, <laughs> and you, you provide what you call us to give. And I just thank you for um, increasing us more and more, us and our children. Thank you that we are in a season of, of increase. <sighs> and I thank you, Lord, that we are not moved by anything other than you. We're not moved by financial support.